0: here interested in architecture? Anybody? Raise your hand. Whether it be in the process of how a building is built or or designed, or whether it be in the the actual buildings themselves. Anybody? I, I didn't. Some folks. Okay, good, good. Well, when I was in college, I took a course on Architecture and Art Appreciation. And in the course, we learned all about the different looks of different structures from different time periods. And we also learned a little bit about how these buildings were constructed and and the different well-known architects and what set their structures apart. And I have to be honest with you, when I was in college, I wasn't too interested in architecture, not as much as I am today. Because I've done a bit of traveling and I've seen some some beautiful structures in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And uh, and, and I've gained, over this time, a, a greater appreciation for those who built these structures and for the way in which they were built. And I'm sure many of you would agree with me that going to see a beautiful cathedral or a towering skyscraper makes a greater impression on you than just reading about it in a textbook. Am I right? Yeah. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been to see a, a Gothic church from the Middle Ages? Anybody ever traveled and seen a Gothic church? Okay. Uh, I haven't, but, but I have a few that I'm going to show you this morning up on the screen. It's one of those. Here's another one here. incredible right look at that person down there man just an ant compared to that here's another one here they're just impressive structures aren't they just 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 beautiful and elaborate structures well I I read a few weeks ago that uh, these structures required an enormous amount of time and energy to build. And that should not come as a surprise to us, right? I mean, just look at this structure here. It's enormous. And another thing that impressed me was how some of these buildings were constructed. Listen to the process of how a church like this was built. First, a, a mine was established. And when the rocks were mined, volunteers from all around the country would literally form a chain. And, and by some means, they would pass these rocks from one individual to the next. Not all the rocks were passed that way, but a lot of them were. And it, it was a, a collective effort to, to construct these buildings. Isn't that amazing? That's, I just can't wrap my mind around that. I mean, it took it took long hours, hundreds of people, and and a ton of patience day after day to build up a a structure like this one. Now let me ask you this, what if a large number of people were unwilling to put in the work to give their time and their efforts to construct a, a building like this? What do you think would happen? It would be safe to say that these buildings would not be built, right? I mean, that just, just makes sense. It's just practical sense. Well, get this. The same is true of our church today. For Christ's church, for this church here to be built up, it's going to take a collective effort from God's people. It's going to take God's people collectively committing themselves, each one doing his or her part to build up the church. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to read and discuss verses 10 through 17 this morning. In this passage, Paul uses the metaphor of a building to describe the church. And he calls for the believers in Corinth to do their part to build up the church. Now, once again, Paul is speaking metaphorically here. So he's not literally saying that God's people have to need to put on their hard hats and grab a hammer and go out and build a building somewhere, is he? But when he talks about the church, he's talking about God's people. And when he talks about building up the church, he is talking about God's people pouring their lives into one another to build one another up so that the church can be all that God expects her to be. And in our text for this morning, Paul gives us some great advice on how to do just that. First, he tells us this. Be careful how you build Christ's church. Look at verse 10. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. Okay? first. Paul begins here by telling the Corinthians what his role has been in the construction of the Corinthian church. And I love it here that Paul, in his letters, he never calls for his audience to do anything that he's not willing to do himself, nor anything that that he has not already done. This is a great lesson for me and for other leaders in the church, isn't it? Paul leaves us a great example here, and Paul here is calling for them to take part in the work he's already doing. He makes mention here of the fact that he was like a skilled master builder because he laid the foundation for the church at Corinth. Now, Paul's not bragging here when he refers to himself in this way as a master builder notice the first part of verse 10 Paul says according to the grace of God given to me he says his abilities have been given to him by God so Paul takes credit for nothing here but gives all the glory and honor to God. He's basically saying all I'm doing is being faithful to do the work and to use the gifts that God has gifted me with to do the work he's called me to do. And and believers, once again, this is a great reminder to us, isn't it? That we talked about this a a bit last week, but whatever we accomplish as a church, all praise is to be directed toward God, right? Because he is the one who enables us Like we talked about last week in verse 7, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who brings the growth. Any successes, any victories that we have in ministry, all, all glory is to be directed toward God for those things. But Paul says here, God has granted me the ability to lay the foundation for the church. Okay? Paul was a church planner." He was. That was his main job. He went from from city to city, laying foundations for churches all over the known world. And during his ministry, he laid many foundations in many cities. And the way he did it was, he would often go into an area, and first he would visit the synagogue, And he would begin to uh, uh, target the Jews first, and then he would target the Gentiles from the market and from other places. And he would spread the message of the gospel. And as people would come to Christ, he would meet with them and teach them the word of God. And after a period of time, a church would start, and then Paul would leave and go elsewhere. And he would leave someone in his place. Now... Who can remember who he left? We've been talking about this some. Who did Paul leave in Corinth when he left? you remember? Anybody remember? Apollos. He left Apollos. We learn in the previous passage, Paul talked about, I planted and Apollos watered. So Paul would lay the foundation, and then he would hand it over to someone like Apollos, another builder, to build upon his foundation well guess what we as a church are to be building upon this foundation today we are that's what we learn in Ephesians chapter 2 you don't have to turn there but in Ephesians chapter 2 remember we preached this a while back but Paul gives us our role as God's people and he basically tells us that our role as a church is to come behind the work that Christ has done and to build upon the foundation laid by the apostles and the prophets and we're to build up this church and complete this structure. That's our role. That's what we are called to do. We're to be using the gifts that God has given us to build upon the foundation laid by Paul and the other apostles and the prophets and we're to be building up the church. So that's our role. That's our job. That's what we're to be doing. But notice at the end of verse 10, Paul gives us a warning, doesn't he? He says, for those building upon this structure, be careful how you build upon it. Paul lets us know here, there is a right and a wrong way. To build up the church. We're going to look at these here. First, we are to make sure, number one, that we build on the right foundation. Look at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul says, don't do anything that I've not been doing already when the foundation is laid, it should be laid upon the Lord Jesus. There is only one foundation that will do, and that is the Lord Jesus. Unfortunately, today, we have many so-called churches, if you want to call them that, that are being built up, and though they're growing, and though they're thriving, the only problem is they're not being built on the right foundation. Remember, I told you a while back about a segment I saw on the news about a so-called church, once again, if you want to call it that, that had removed the cross from their building. The pastor, when interviewed, said, well, we had a, a lot of people who were a part of our church from diverse religious backgrounds and some who are not religious at all, which kind of doesn't make sense, right, that they'd be going to church. Uh, but but uh, from, from, from all these different backgrounds that were saying that Jesus and the teaching of the cross is offensive to us so he said to appease them to be more inclusivistic we remove the cross from our building it's amazing isn't it Though the cross was only recently removed from the building I, I think it's safe to say that the message of the cross has been removed from that church for some time right let me tell you this is no small church This is a mega church this church takes up a huge plot of land and they meet in this big impressive building and there are many in the community coming and attending this church and this church is serving the community in many ways but there is a major problem with this church its foundation is poor and who can tell me what happens to a building with a poor foundation some point in time if there aren't changes that are made to this foundation it will fall now it may not happen right away but it will happen I read recently that scientists have determined that it's just a matter of time before the leaning tower of Pisa in Italy falls kind of interesting here's a picture of it up on the screen there and um, they, they travel there each and every year to measure the building's movement. And they reported that right now the 179 foot tower moves 1 20th of an inch each year and now is 17 feet out of plumb. It's also interesting, did you know this? Did you know the word Pisa means marshy land? <laughs> Somebody needed a translator back then, right? I think this gives a little clue to the problem don't you think so so this magnificent building was built on a poor foundation and even though its movement downward is not even noticeable to the eye and though it stood for all these years scientists say one day it will eventually fall and get this so will the church if it's built on the wrong foundation Paul says the right foundation is Christ. We as believers need to make sure that we are building our lives and our church on this foundation, on the Lord Jesus. Now how do we as a church and how do we as individuals do this? What does that look like? Well let's look to our wise master builder, the Apostle Paul. What did he do? How did he lay the foundation for the churches that he planted well we have description of what he did in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 20 verse 27 when he was with the Ephesians we learn that he was with them and while he was with them he and while he was with them he was laying the foundation for the church at Ephesus and he was doing so by giving them the whole counsel of God again in Acts chapter 18 we're told that when Paul was with the Corinthians what was he doing while he was with them? Well, for the 18 months he was there, he was teaching them the Word of God. Also, before Paul in Acts chapter 2, we learn that priority one for the first church in Jerusalem was a devotion to the apostles' teachings. Are you seeing a trend here? What's another word for the whole council of God? What was the apostles' teachings? What is the Word of God? It's the Bible, right? So these early churches were taught about the person and work of Christ from the Word of God, and they devoted themselves to these teachings and to Him. And we're called to be doing the same thing as a church today. This is our foundation right here. This is it. This is our foundation. We as individuals... And we as a church are to be building our lives upon the truths that are taught in this book. And what you find as you study through the Word of God is that it all points to Jesus. It does. So if we commit ourselves week in and week out to this book, to these teachings, we will be committing ourselves to Christ and we'll be built upon him. Does that make sense? Like I said, there are churches today that are building up the church, but on the wrong foundation. Some churches are building upon the foundation of religious acceptance, others upon the foundation of good works, others upon the foundation of tradition. There are people today trying to build a life for themselves apart from Christ, but there is only one foundation that will do. There is only one foundation that matters, and that is the one that's acceptable to God, the Lord Jesus. Not only are we to build on the right foundation, but we're also, Paul says, to build. We are to build with the uh, with the right materials. Move forward, didn't I? There we go. Built with the right materials. Look at verses twelve and thirteen. Paul says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver. And precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So after choosing the right foundation on which to build, Paul tells us the next question the builder faces is the, on the choice of building materials. Paul tells us, the Christians in Corinth there, and he tells us in this text, that that the Christians in Corinth, their building's going to be tested by fire. So they need to make sure that they are using the right materials. And in verse 12, Paul lists different materials that can be used to build up a structure. He shows us that you can build up a structure with gold, silver, and precious stones, or you can build up your structure with wood, hay, and straw. Now, there are some commentators who say that Paul here is talking about six different degrees of materials and and six different types of churches that you can build. But but I, I like to think here a more simple explanation is that Paul is simply talking about two types of materials, that which is costly and that which is cheap. One which is imperishable and the other which is perishable. One that is permanent, the other that is temporary. One that is worthy and the other that is worthless. Gold, silver, and precious stones are quality materials. Though they are costly, they are imperishable and permanent. While wood, hay, and straw, though they are not as costly, are inferior and unfit for a strong foundation because they are easily done away with. So Paul shows us here, along with a firm foundation, the materials used to build up the church are to be quality materials. And let's be honest. Many of us in here, have seen both quality and shoddy churches, haven't we? We have. Now, once again, I'm not talking about physically here, but I'm talking about spiritually. Many of you have been to churches that have been built with quality materials. In other words, these are the types of churches that are making significant contributions to the work that God is doing, both in their communities and around the world. These are the churches, according to Paul here, that will have a lot to show after being tested by fire. Meaning they are making a significant contribution to God's kingdom work and they're involving themselves in activities that matter for eternity. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about building the church up with quality materials like gold, silver, and precious stones. But I know that there are some of you here that have also either been a part of or or attended spiritually shoddy churches as well, haven't you? Where there's very little being done for God and for His kingdom. And if things don't change with these churches, we're told in Scripture that they will have very little, if any, to show after being tested by fire. And I know what some of you are thinking in here, and if you're thinking it good, you need to be thinking it. Where is fellowship on the scale? What kind of materials are we using? What type of church are we building? Those are good questions that we need to ask ourselves over and over again as we minister here in this community. And we'll find out one day, won't we? But I know which one I want to be. How about you? I also know which one I never want to be. And I hope that you feel the same way now here's the thing unlike actual builders who do not have equal access and who cannot afford all the same types of materials this is a great news for us we as believers all have access to quality materials we do though some churches may have more resources financially and be able to build build bigger and, and better facilities. We all have the ability to build up Christ's church in a quality way, in a God-honoring way, in a way that will pass the test of fire. And the reason why is because true believers, true followers of Christ, all of us each have access to the same spirit. We all read and study from the same Bible, God's Word, and we're told in the Scriptures that God in us is able to do abundantly more than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. It's great news, isn't it? And I truly believe that there will be some believers in some churches in that final day that will be celebrated that we will know nothing about. You know, we often look at the big mega churches and the the Christian authors and TV personalities that that, that we know will be celebrated in that day, but I truly believe that there will be small churches and unknown individuals from places nobody has heard of, from the most remote parts of the world who are going to be applauded in that day because of the way in which they built up Christ's church and for the contributions that they have made to God's kingdom work. An excellent question to ask yourself this morning is this. How am I contributing to the building up of this church? How are you doing? Are you bringing precious stones, silver and gold? Or are your contributions wood, hay, and straw? So very important that we evaluate ourselves and our efforts in this church because one day in the near future, Scripture is clear, the Lord Jesus is returning. And our efforts are going to be put on display. They're going to be evaluated. So we need to be ready for that time, which leads us to our second point here, number two. Be ready to have your efforts evaluated. Look at verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. One summer, I was while I was in college, I worked a construction job, and uh, at times... My boss would leave me and, and the guys I was working with at a certain site, and he would leave us for the day, and he would give us a list of, of things that we needed to have completed by, by the time he got back in the afternoon. And uh, there were two things that he looked for when he returned in the evening. is He would look to make sure that we had done the job that he had called for us to do, that he had told us to do, and then he would check the quality of our work. And he was a particular guy, he was hard-nosed, and I remember always, toward the end of the day, just checking my work to make sure everything was, was done the way I think he'd want it done. And, uh, and there were times when he would come back and he would have me redo certain things that didn't meet his standards. So all the work that I had done on that particular task, uh, on that particular day, was, was all for nothing because I had to do it all over again. Well, guess what? God has left us a job to do. Not only that, he has a set of standards by which he will judge us on the quality of our labor. In his church, Paul says, each one's work will become manifest. It will be made known. When Jesus returns, he is going to reveal the true nature of our work. And he is going to show whether it's made up of wood, hay, and straw, or precious stones, silver, and gold. He's going to show us the true quality of our works and and what remains will be rewarded for and what does not will be considered wasted and worthless. Look at verses 14 through 17. Paul gives us more details on this final judgment here. He says, If the work that anyone has built... On the foundation survives he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burnt up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only as through fire do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple here Paul mentions three types Of people that Christ will deal with at the final judgment number one there are believers with worthy deeds believers with worthy deeds Paul says that the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward people when they think about the final judgment, and you may be in this camp as well, they they don't think about it ever in a positive light. It's kind of like a negative. It's kind of like something you're not looking forward to. And they think of it in a a negative way. But get this, Paul tells us here, for the faithful laborer, for the one who is built on the right foundation with the right materials, to the one who has served God with the right motives and the proper uh, proper conduct, this will be a glorious day the final judgment, this individual will get to see all the work that he or she did for Christ. All the sacrifices he or she made for the cause of Christ has not been in vain. Think about how wonderful it will be, believers, to have the things you've done in this life echo through the halls of eternity. How about this? How wonderful would it be to our Lord and Savior say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear that, don't you? So for some, it'll be an enjoyable event. For others, not so much. There's a second type of people that Paul says will stand before the Lord, and it's believers with worthless deeds. Now I think for a lot of us, this is going to be a at the final judgment, it'll be a mixture between the first two as believers. Hopefully there will, the the, the first group will outweigh the, the second, you know. Hopefully there will be many of our deeds that will be fireproof, but I think we all agree that there are activities that we give a lot of our time to that will not matter for eternity. But I truly believe this. I believe that In that day, many of us will be shocked when we see the amount of time that we've wasted on activities that do not matter for eternity. And I think we'll also be shocked at how much time we've given to activities made of wood, hay, and straw. And I also believe that we will wish more than anything, many of us will wish more than anything, that we had more time to give to activities that matter for eternity. With this in mind, we need to go out of here mindful of the fact that this time is coming. We don't know when it's going to be. And we need to make each day count, don't we? We do. Well, there's a third group here that Paul mentions uh, here that Christ will deal with In the final judgment and it is unbelievers with wicked deeds unbelievers with wicked deeds look at verses 16 and 17 Paul says do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple now As we've discussed already at length in the book of 1 Corinthians, God's people can be a a hindrance at times to the building up of Christ's church, right? We've learned that already. But here Paul turns his attention toward the unbelieving world who have also been responsible for tearing the church down. Now. We, we know not all unbelievers are involved in this, but many have been involved directly in, in, in tearing the church apart in, in many different ways. And it shouldn't surprise us that this happens both outside and inside the church, right? Because unbelievers, by definition, are opposed to God and his purposes, and we need to be on guard against the, ta- the attacks of the unbelieving world on our church. Now, I'm not saying we should not welcome unbelievers in our, in our church. We most certainly need them to come, and we want them to come to learn about the gospel and turn from their sin and give their life to Christ. But we need to be careful not to let unbelievers speak into the ministries of this church. Because their ways, by definition, are opposed to God and His purposes. And we learned that earlier, right? About the church with people from all different religious backgrounds speaking into the church, and the guy removed the cross from the message and the building. So we need to be careful here. That's why before joining our church, we make sure that you are a follower of Christ. And you're committed to following him. But, but Paul mentions here at the final judgment, Christ is also going to deal with these individuals as well. And we're told that those who destroy God's temple will be destroyed by God. Now, let me ask you this. How many of y'all have read this verse in the past when Paul says you are God's temple and thought it meant you individually, your body? A lot of us have, Right. We've taught this, you know, that we're, we're in this verse of scripture that Paul's saying we're to take care of our bodies, but that's where context comes in here. In this passage we've been discussing this morning, Paul has been talking about the church collectively, the church. And did you know that the you that's used there in that verse of scripture is plural? It's not singular. He's talking about the church here. Paul is referring to the church as the temple of God. I know you've heard this said before that the church is more than a building, it's the people, but it's even more than that. Paul says the church is the holy place of God. The church is God's temple. And the reason why is because it's filled with God's people who are dwell with the very spirit of God. So... The Holy Spirit indwells inside the hearts of each and every believer. And as a result, the Holy Spirit indwells the congregation collectively. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? I know I've said this before, but this place is a special place. When we gather together, it is special. Because as we gather together as believers and dwell with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is indwelling this place. Therefore, we need to do everything we can. We need to make every effort to build this church up and not tear it down. Because look at the fate of unbelievers who tear down the church. Paul says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. So this place, the church, is extremely special to God. And he wants us to realize that and make every effort to build the church up. Let me end this morning by asking you a simple question. What type of person are you? I want you to take time this morning to evaluate yourself and the rest of the day and throughout the week, do a thorough examination of your life and ask yourself these questions. Do I consider myself a faithful laborer? Do I consider myself one who has served God with the right motives and with the proper conduct? How about this question? If you stood before the Lord Jesus today, how many of your daily activities would be fireproof? My toes are getting sore as well. How many activities are you involved in that you will take with you into eternity? Maybe you're here this morning and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you fall into that second category. You know that up to this point in your life, there has been an enormous amount of time that you have wasted on activities that don't matter for eternity. Believers, I urge you today, while there's, while there's still time, to turn the page to begin the first day of the rest of your spiritual life. We're told in the scriptures that we don't know when that day will be, but we know that it will be, that Christ is returning. And we are called to be ready. And we're called to live each day with that day in mind. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in the third group and that you have Not that you have destroyed the church necessarily, but up to this point in your life, you have lived a life apart from and even opposed to God. Again, let me tell you, there is a day that's coming when we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus and he is going to view each and every one of us in one of two ways, as with him or against him. And as a result, you will either be accepted or you will be cast out. I pray if you're in this third group that today be the day your allegiances change. That today be the day you turn from your life of sin and give your life to him. Would you pray with me?